Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Just before we begin this episode, I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Steroplast Healthcare Limited. Steroplast Healthcare Limited, setting the standards across the seven sectors. If you don't already know of them, get onto their website, www.steroplast.co.uk, to look at some of the great products that they do. We've got the boxing wraps, the Sterotape Zinc Oxide Tape, We've also got the Stereotape Premium and the Stereotape K. Now, we've got World Fight using this tape. We've got local fighters, including Charlie Schofield, Ben Sheedy, Jimmy Kelly, Callum Cook. They're all using this tape at the moment, and Steroplast are getting around to all the boxing gyms, and you will be able to purchase these items from steroplast.co.uk. Get over to that website, have a look, because the Stereotape and the Stink Oxide Tape aren't the only things that they actually do. They do provide equipment for emergency rooms, for hospitals, uh, other sports. They produce items for vets, uh, medical surgeries, GPs, first aid, defibrillators, things of that nature. So they're not just all about the Stereotape and the boxing wraps. Get yourself over there and have a look. www.steroplast.co.uk steroplast.co.uk Welcome to Beyond the Ropes a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat the place for the Northwest and boxing news news, reviews and interviews here's your host Sean Basso Welcome to episode number 25 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basto, your host as always, rejoined this week, fresh from the beast from the east and Storm Emma. It's Cahal Jennings. Cahal, tell me how it's been going. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been different. In Ireland, we don't seem to, we never seem to think about the weather too well. We think talk about the weather all the time. If you're introduced to an Irish person, they'll probably talk about the weather in the first kind of two, three minutes. But it was one of them where I was saying that it wasn't going to be as bad as it was, and then it was much worse than it 
I could ever have thought it would be. So I kind of got cut off from things last last week, but glad to be back this weekend. Enjoyed the show last week, so uh, I was happy to see that it still did well in my absence. It did. We enjoyed it. Simon had a good time. I had a good time. Your interviews, you know, were fantastic. It was good to listen to them. What I'm looking forward to really is talking about what's going on this week, and there's been a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff to cover today. We've got the fights from the weekend. We've got the fights coming up this weekend. And we've got some of the stuff that's been going on across social media, some of the scandals, some of the interesting stuff that's been coming up uh, in the media this week, so we'll discuss that towards the end. So I want to really start the show off with what I class as the biggest fight of last weekend, which was Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. Now, before I let you speak, Cahill, on this one, I've just got to say that when this fight exploded... Oh my god, it was it was fantastic to watch. But most of the other time during the fight, it, it, it wasn't entertaining. It was very, it felt very much like Wilder was just looking for one big shot all the way through the fight, and Luis Ortiz boxed his head off. Now, don't get me wrong, I wanted Wilder to win this fight. I said it numerous times because of the fact that Luis Ortiz shouldn't have had that shot of the title anyway. But in fairness to Luis Ortiz, he gave it a real good go, and I was very surprised by the amount of big shots that he took and was able to to get up throughout the fight and able to sort of show... He's shown good durability for a man of his age, considering on paper he's supposed to be 38, but a lot of people speculate that he's somewhere around 42, Mark. I really enjoyed the fight when it did explode, and it's left some questions. It's left some questions that have been answered, but it's also left some good speculation for what's to go ahead. Talk us through the fight when you watched it did you watch it live or, or did you just watch it after the, after the event no I, I didn't watch it live I watched it the next day on Sky around half 12 I I, I didn't I didn't know the, the result before I watched it but um, the first six rounds it was it was Ortiz we did have him down I think it was in the third but uh, it was one of those fights that it was Wilder came did what he needed to do it was it was so entertaining from the seventh round because you thought Wilder could go at any point and he is so wild and erratic that I think he just wore Ortiz down and he's so hard to figure out. But you thought that Ortiz did have him figured out uh, in the seventh and Wilder did well to stay on his feet. But he answered that question of if he gets hit, what happens? And he got hit by one of the biggest punchers in the heavyweight division. I'd agree with you, Sean, that Ortiz shouldn't have got the, shouldn't have got the chance at the title or shouldn't be have a chance at any kind of title now. But he's kind of announced himself on the stage as well now. He's going to be in, in big fights too. But it was one of those fights, it was like um, Anthony Joshua against Klitschko. It was where they really announced themselves as, they, yeah, they are the real deal. And I think Deontay Wilder, he comes out of it in a really good place. He, he was rocked. He was nearly stopped. Like the ref could have jumped in, maybe. But the, the bell rang. And even at the start of the eighth, you'll see Wilder kind of stumbling around. His feet just weren't under him. And I think Ortiz just didn't have the engine then. I think he was uh, broken down in the end by, by Wilder's power. It sets up the fight we all want to see with Wilder and Joshua because I think they've both come through. They've both come through what they need to come through. We both know that they, they have the heart. They have the, they have the chin. They... They're going to put it all on the line, and you just like to see now in the summer that fight really take place. Because if we get anything like the Ortiz fight, the Ortiz Wilder fight, and the Klitschko Joshua fight, we're in for one of the best fights you're going to see in heavyweight boxing. And I think that's what I think that's what needs to be next. I don't think we need to see Miller and Joshua or Wilder against Dominic Brazil. I think the next fight that fans really need to see and want to see is going to be Wilder and Joshua. But it, Wilder comes out in a in the kind of light that I didn't think that he would be able to stand up to his power I think that I did think Wilder would win but I think if he did get rocked that he wouldn't be able to um, be able to stand up because there has been stories of Wilder's being rocked and he's been down and sparring and stuff like that 
but he showed that he showed what he needed to show when he comes out. He comes out as in, yeah, that he's next in line for Joshua, or Joshua's next in line for him. Well, you know, going back to the fight and going back to that seventh round, what did you make of the end of the seventh, start of the eighth, where it looked like seemingly the referee seemed to give Wilder more time? What did you make of that? It seemed that way, but it, it you were kind of, because I don't think it was to, to give him more time to kind of recoup. But who who knows? We we know boxing is shady at times, but. That I might be reading not enough into it, you could be reading too much into it. But I think it was kind of there was an issue there. But I think at the end of the seventh was the was the closest Wilder came, and it shows that if he gets hit, he could go, but he has the heart to keep coming back. And I think people are kind of looking into it a lot when it comes to that because people do have that little kind of boxing is shady at times, and there's other stories this week that we will discuss that have showed that. But um, it, for me. I don't think the ref gave him any more time, but I think you can read into it. But I think Ortiz's engine wasn't going to last. I think his best his best roll of the dice was in the seventh, and he hit he hit Wilder with some with some shots, some some really big unanswered shots, and Wilder was gone, and you could see it. And he he did well to stay on his feet, and he did well to come back out. And I think Ortiz's engine just he, he couldn't keep going. I think the power of Wilder broke him down. Whether you want to look into kind of little things like what happened at the eighth, the end of the seventh, who knows? But I think the best thing for boxing at the end of it was an Ortiz or was a Wilder win. And as you said, Sean, you didn't think Ortiz should have got the chance. I'd be I'd be in the same boat as you on that one. Well, I I never I never wanted him to to win the fight personally, but I wanted to see if Wilder could overcome some adversity, and he did in that fight. What makes me question Wilder now is the fact that we've seen how rocked he, he can be in a fight. We can see that he can't. Yeah, he can take a punch, but we've also seen him in a vulnerable position. And I think a younger, fresher man than Ortiz on that night probably could have finished the job. And for me, that that's what gets me excited now. And a lot of people will say, "Well, and you know, Anthony Joshua is he the man to finish his job? Or you know, can he can he do it? He's a younger, fresher man. He's also we've seen it against Klitschko. He's prone to take them digs. He's, he gassed himself out in the fight with Klitschko, and that's how he ended up going down himself. So that's what makes it more exciting and intriguing, and is what's created all the social media buzz over the, the weekend just gone. Because we now know that both men can be put down. We now know men that both men can put people down in in emphatic fashion so it's giving us a fight where I, I think it's a genuine 50-50 fight I don't actually see a clear winner in this one and and that's what excites me the most is as a Brit I'd like Anthony Joshua to win but then I wouldn't begrudge Deontay Wilder a win either because he's he's, he's such a you know for a guy who's so unorthodox like him to get to where he is in his career so far and to be able to have racked up so many wins I mean, some people might say, yeah, but who else has he fought in his record? And you could argue that point till you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, you can't deny the fact that he's knocking people out. When he gets to them, he's, he can knock them out. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Now, I do feel that a man, and I'm going to say Tyson Fury, <laughs> if he gets back to a fitness level and we see the old Tyson Fury, I genuinely believe Tyson Fury could beat the pair of these two, you know, I've always said it, and I think you've agreed with it at some point as well, that a fit Tyson Fury is very good. He's so skillful. And a lot of people now are starting to, I think they're starting to appreciate that. And if we can see him back, you know, who knows what the future holds, but let's concentrate on this particular fight and what now this leads to, which is a wilder Joshua fight in the future. I 
really hope it happens this year. It's been on the boxing wish list episode that we had a couple of weeks ago. It's the fight that everybody wants to see. It needs to happen. We don't need to see, as you said, the Miller fight and uh, Joshua, and we don't need to see Wilder going in against, you know, maybe someone like Povetkin or, or somebody else. We just need to see these two get it on now. For the for the sake of boxing, this needs to happen. It's as simple as that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think I'd, I'd have to agree with you, Sean. That I think Fury beats. I think the tougher fight for Fury would be Deontay Wilder just because he is so unorthodox and so wild. I think if he was anything like what he fought Klitschko, I think he beats both of them. For me, I think Wilder beats Joshua. A lot of people don't agree with that, but I just think he is so wild. And not wild, but he's unorthodox. He's very hard to figure out. He can take a shot. And he's not just going to stand there in front of uh, in front of Joshua. He's going to move. Like, if you look at him, he like the way he even sets up his shots, he's not just a kind of a windmill. Like If he hits you, he's going to knock you out. He sets up shots very well. And for me, I'd have to agree with you, Sean. It's a 50-50 fight. But if I did have to side with someone, if it was in the States, I probably would go for Wilder. Whether he stops him or not, I would have to go for Wilder. I just think he's very hard to figure out. And maybe he could maybe he could stop Joshua. But if Joshua lands clean with him, he's going to stop him. I just think if it was to go to points or anything like that, I'd have to side with, to side with Wilder on this. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully the fight will get made and hopefully that'll be something that we can get excited about in the future. But let's move on. Now, look at the fights. That's also happened over the weekend. One that I was really, really impressed with was the victory for Kell Brook over Sergei Rabchenko. I wasn't sure what to expect in this fight myself. I wasn't sure if Kell Brook... What, well, what he had left, basically. What did he have left in the tank? This was the fight that we needed to see and the result that we needed to see. Some people might say you can't look too much into that, but I think if you look at Rabchenko's record, actually Rabchenko uh, wasn't a slouch in the slightest. He was a former Ricky Hatton fighter. I don't know if he was promoted by him or under them at the time. I don't think he was. I think he'd parted ways with him at this point when he when he's obviously fought Brook at the weekend, but he's not a slouch. And if you look through his record, he'd only been beaten by the best in the division. So for him to go in against Kell Brook, and obviously Kell Brook coming off the back, back of two losses to Golovkin and to Errol Spence, Junior, we was all wondering what would what would happen. You know, would his eyes hold up? Would he be able to take a shot? Would he flinch away from the shots? Would he be able to to, to cope with the change in the weight? He, he he ticked a lot of boxes for me, and it might be too soon to say that you know he's going to go on to do good things in that division. But based on that performance, you can't argue with the fact that he should really be straight up there uh, within the rankings to, to be ready to challenge for a title. And I know that there's already been social media talk between Brooke and Jermel Charlo, who's fighting in a couple of weeks. And then there was even, at one point, I think Errol Spence had mentioned on Twitter that uh, he, he wouldn't mind moving up to, to fight Cal Brook again. So... Everyone wants a piece of him again, so it just goes to show you how much of an impression that performance had uh, on the boxing world for people like that to be starting to comment on it and wanting a piece of Kale Brook. They obviously feel that he's, he's easy pickings, probably because of his injuries. I don't know, but they, they obviously want a piece of him, and this is exciting times for Kale Brook. What did you make of that performance from Kel on Saturday night? Yeah, he looked good. He did what he needed to do, but um, he looked very impressive, and he looked comfortable at the weight. Didn't look drained. He didn't look dry. He didn't look kind of. So when you see him get down to welterweight, he looks very uh, kind of gaunt at the weight. A good performance, shot perfect almost. Didn't get himself in any trouble. The only thing that you maybe would have liked to see, and I'd not say that you'd like to see, but I don't think the eyes got tested out. And would it, it's interesting to see when he does take a shot on either eye, and it, we'll see how it feels for him. 
Um, if it's pain, will he will he shy away? Is it something that is going to bother him? But I'm sure he's been hitting sparring and stuff like that. So he looked really good. Um, as I said, you couldn't read too much into it. Um, a good performance, a, good, a great knockout. Rebchenko's legs didn't uh, didn't do him any favours. But I think the the light middleweight division isn't one that's huge in names or anything like that. So I think maybe the Charlo fights are ones that could possibly happen in the UK. I think Eddie Hearn would be able to swing that. Um, seek that on pay-per-view and Errol Spence is one that I think they'd like to see again but I think they'd bring that one over to over to the US but it's interesting to see where, where Kelbrook goes to this, uh, goes from this he, he said that he wants one more fight at that way before he challenged for a world title which is good to see he's not just saying yeah I'm ready for a world title shot I think he wants to bet in again after a couple of defeats wants to get a, wants to get a couple of wins couple of wins under his belt and get used to a division and uh, kind of build his name again because Kell Brook before this was was probably the shining light of British boxing in terms of his record was was impeccable and then he goes in against Golovkin who is one of the best in the world Errol Spence who is going to be in the top five pound for pound if not already so Kell Brook is no slouch and he did people saying he should retire and stuff like that he's had two bad, bad injuries but he's shown that he's willing to come back and maybe at this weight where he's kind of where he's heavier like the power Kelbrook has, he's not as I said, he's no slouch. Um, the Charlos, I think that they're the, they're the route they're going to go down. I think they're talking it up already through social media and stuff. So there's big fights out there to be made. I think the one that will hang in the background until it does happen is the Amir Khan fight. I think reading the other day that Kel or that Amir Khan might want that at, at welterweight. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think I think Kelbrook, I think if he stays at this weight, he has a chance of winning a, a, another world title. And who knows how much longer he has in him. But I think this is something that needed to happen a while ago. It's just the one thing, the one unfortunate thing, it'd be interesting to see when the shot does land on either eye, how he does feel when it comes to the big stage, how he does react. And the one thing that you would like to see is maybe a chance at a world title on a big show because... Kell Brooks gave so much. He's been in some great fights. And I think people forget that he was in with Golovkin. He was the one who wanted to step up after Eubank Jr. kind of dropped out. And Errol Spence, I had in his home stadium, all went against him. I really like Kell Brook. And I think if he's in the big fights, he's someone that you want to watch because he's rarely in a boring fight. You're right. And and, and like we just said earlier, really, I think with Kell Brook, he's, he's, he's never really in a boring fight. I mean, earlier on in a few fights before he got in with Golovkin he was fighting people that really weren't very well known in terms of fighters that were getting opportunities you know like mandatories or, um, and even voluntaries that he took and I don't think that did a lot for him but I think once he stepped in with Golovkin he got a lot of credit for stepping up uh, and putting on a decent performance even though he lost the fight he, he did put on a, a pretty good performance really because no one was expecting that out of him I wasn't anyway I knew he was good but I didn't think he'd, he'd go that far with Golovkin without being completely blown out of the water but then he went in with Spence I think he was doing really well up until I think the eye went and then yeah, once the eye went you could just tell that was the end of it really Spence took over won the fight looked good against Robchenko looked pretty impressive now really we're looking ahead to, to what's next for him we've talked about the Khan fight before on, on the podcast and I think as much as I'd love to see it happen for British boxing because it's a, a great domestic fight I just think now, I think he's got better options on the table again. I think this fight has, has opened up the doors again for him, even though it's just a one fight at light, uh, uh, super super welterweight or the old light middleweight division. It's opened them doors up and people want to fight him again. So he's got big money fights on the table already. You know, Errol Spence wanting to go again uh, up at the super welterweight division. And then you've got the Charlos obviously up there as well. That, you know, I think they all want a piece of him. It's as simple as that. And they're the big money fights for him and good opportunities to get world titles. Khan would be a massive money-making fight in Britain, of course. 
But it depends on what Kale wants now out of his career, to be honest. If he wants to, to go and go for another world title at a second weight, which is a possibility for him, then that's the route he might go down. But if he wants to just go the money route, the Khan fight's always probably going to be there. I mean, we've talked about fights that we want to see and we don't want him to, to dwell on them for years. This is one that I've started to dwell on for years. Very much like the Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao saga for about five, six years before it ended up getting it on and, and we could end up with a disappointment so for me at the moment at this moment in time I'd like to see him fight again in the super welterweight division I'd like to see him fight another contender uh, within the division and then potentially go in for a world title fight and then we'll see what happens from there whether that can fight comes off if it doesn't I'll be a little bit disappointed but if he wins another world title I'll be more than happy for the guy if he does that instead so again like I say we'll see what happens um, but that card going back to the card itself there were some interesting fights on that card. There were some sort of breakout uh, stars, I think, in that night. And there was one disappointing one, which uh, I think you would probably be a bit gutted about because you interviewed him a few weeks back, was Dave Allen and Len Roy Thomas. And the the clash of heads in the first round and the fight was stopped because of how bad the cut was over his eye. I personally was gutted for Dave Allen because the guy's just a genuine, genuine fella. And it, it feels like... With Dave Allen, he's got this mental barrier that he needs to, to, to beat Lenroy Thomas before he can move any further on in his career. And you could see the disappointment in his face after the fight. And I want him to, I want him to, to, to get that fight again, but I just don't know whether that's going to happen now. Uh, but, Cahill, you, you obviously interviewed him a few weeks ago. You had a good chat you know, about his career, about where he wants to go. He must have been a bit gutted for him. Yeah, it feels like um it feels like his career can't really get going until he shakes the kind of Len Roy Thomas kind of uh, hoodoo. And the other night I remember the head came together and you just see Dave Allen kind of come away and he kind of grimaces and you just went, No, this isn't good. Um it, it just feels like because when you when you talk with him, he has a lot of plans that he wants to get with this year and who knows how long this cut is going to leave him out of the ring. It looks a bad one. And Lenroy Thomas said, he goes, if the price is right, and that just kind of means I'm like, I want more money to come back over here. And you'd have to feel for Lenroy Thomas as well because it doesn't do anything for him. But Dave Allen, you'd hope Eddie Hearn can can set up that fight again or perhaps a British title fight or just something like that because Dave Allen, you heard it the other night, um, the, the reception he got from the crowd the, when his music played. For a fighter who was challenged for a Commonwealth title, the reception he gets, the following he has, is, is, is almost unheard of because he's so popular, he is so genuine, he's just he's 25 years of age. And he's a guy who's trying to make his way and he probably feels like every chance he gets, he's getting kicked in the bollocks here because he wants to push forward. He feels that the Commonwealth title will help him move on to things like the British title. But it's it's over a year now that this is dragging on and it's you kind of feel like it's dragging on again and the cut. But I think people will still be interested in what's going to happen with Dave Allen, whether it's Lenroy Thomas, who knows? Lenroy could go, could go a different way now because he's he's going to be fit and fresher. He could he could fight in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? If Eddie Hearn was willing to dig his willing to put his hand in his pocket, which I'm sure he would, because I think he's a huge fan of Dave Allen. I think that was probably the one most that he was looking forward to that night. I don't think anybody'd be more disappointed than Eddie Hearn when it came to it, as he said when Lenroy Thomas kind of goes, "If the money's right," and he goes, "Well, I didn't really get my my money's worth this time." <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone. It it, it 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 was so unfortunate, and I really really did. You're, you're completely right. I, I really felt for Dave Allen. I had my head in my hands when I seen it because. All he wanted to do was just prove it. He didn't start the round great. He was kind of trying to feel out and he didn't get a chance. Who knows how it would have went 
we won't get to find out but hopefully down the line maybe this year maybe if the eye is okay and you would be hoping that it can hold up now still but he'll have to go through sparring and things like that to see if the eye is okay and who knows if surgery is needed but uh, one of them that it, it couldn't have you couldn't ride it it couldn't have went more against Dave Allen than it did in that night the, the, the doctor not giving a chance for the corner to look at it but it, it, it did look a really bad one and straight away the blood was trickling so I think the ref made the right decision but just just good, absolutely good for Dave Allen on the night yeah, I was. Uh, I've always been a, fa- a fan favourite of him. To be honest, he's always been a guy that I've liked. And uh, the next day in social media, he seems to have come out positive. To be honest, and and that's good because the last thing you want to see him do is sort of spiral into this issues with the gambling that he had, and you know, going completely the opposite way. He seems so far so good that he's he's on a positive note, and hopefully now he'll keep himself in as good shape as he's got him into because this is the best shape I've seen him in. So I wanted yeah. to keep I wanted to keep himself in that shape, and I want him to to progress on. And if he gets the limelight. Thomas fight hopefully he'll make a statement if he doesn't he's got a lot to give he's got a hell of a lot to give and I think as you heard and as you rightly pointed out the reception uh, was fantastic for him uh, even to uh, Eva Cassidy's Fields of Gold one of the most random boxing entrances you'll ever ever see in in, in history but it just it just resonated with the crowd because of the guy that he is so Hopefully he'll come back and we'll see him, but we'll just see what happens from here now. I want to move on and go on to two other fights that stood out to me on the card. Um, The first one was Kid Galahad and his brutal knockout victory. And the question I have now uh, is, is he ready for a world title shot, Kid Galahad? Yeah, you'd be be thinking he is. There's so many big kind of... There's big fights out there. There's Warrington, there's Selby, there's Frampton. It's whether... They want to take it because he's not really a name yet. He's coming off kind of like when you say the Ortiz kind of thing. He's been Kid Galahad has had his trouble with that kind of stuff. So a good performance, a good knockout, but you don't really know where he can go next. I think it'd be another kind of similar fight he'll have next, and maybe the following one after that because he's a very dangerous fighter, only unproven, undefeated. Unless Eddie Hearn lets him travel over to Frank Warren just for. To fight, who knows the winner of the winner of Denair Frampton or something like that, or maybe down the line this year. But I think his next fight will be similar to what he had on similar to what he had on Saturday night. But if he keeps doing what he did on Saturday night, you you, you won't be able to deny him a world title shot sooner or later. And that's what Eddie Hearn has to do. But he, he could only he can only beat what's put in front of him. And he has some good people around him, um, the Ingles and things like that. So another performance like that, I'd say he's probably fresh enough. And I'd say we'll probably see him on one of the big shows now before the summer. So a, a devastating knockout. I'm glad that his opponent was okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. It didn't look like much. It looked fairly basic. Even um, even looking at him, he 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 was he was very raw. Um, but he could only he could only fight what was in front of him, and he didn't press me. Um, showed that he has power. I think the the big fights at the moment they're going to elude him because I think maybe is he being avoided being avoided because he's not maybe the name and maybe there's not a lot to to gain from fighting him. But if he keeps doing what he did on Saturday night, you, you won't be able to deny him sooner or later. I think in terms of uh, skill level and um, opportunity, opportunity, I, I think he, he definitely mixes it with the big boys of the domestic scene for sure. And there's quite a few of them, like you've mentioned, uh, Selby, Frampton, uh, Warrington. 
you know, they're, they're sort of the big boys of, of the division, really. And I think he's more than capable of mixing it with him. But as you've, again, pointed out there, it's likely to be that he will go in against uh, somebody that's, you know, got a, a relatively decent winning record with a few losses on their record. And I think you probably will see that for the next couple of fights before we see what the outcomes are of uh, the Frampton fight and we see what the outcomes are of the Warrington and Selby fight and we see what happens with Scott Quigg, uh, which we'll talk about later on in the show. So there's, there's there's plenty of opportunities there. He's been calling for these names for a while. Yes, he's had issues with the uh, with the RT, like RTs, but I don't think they were on the same scale, although I'm not justifying it. He's come back and he's got his head down and he's trying to get on with it and trying to do it quietly as well, to be fair. So it was good to see him back on the telly. I mean, a lot of the fights I've seen of your, um, of, of Galahad's, I nearly said you fired then, <laughs> of Galahad's is I've been on Channel 5, so they've been on uh, terrestrial TV, but we got to see him on Sky Sports and we got to see him on a matchroom show. So it was a bigger platform for him and it's he's probably seen that as a very good opportunity to showcase his skills and I think he did a good job of showcasing them yeah the opponent wasn't the greatest in the world but as you said you can only beat what's put in front of you at the time and he did a good job of doing that and his opponent was okay at the end so that's what matters so yeah kid Galahad do I think do I think he's ready for a world title shot I think he could mix it with him for sure whether he'll get it soon that remains to be seen, and there's a possibility we're looking at in at least another 12 months. Um, but when I was talking about Yufai then, when I was mixing Galahad and Yufai up, it was because I was looking at the show notes, and I seen the fight which intrigued me a lot, and what I, I was actually genuinely excited when this fight got underway, the Gavin McDonnell and Gamal Yufai fight. Now, this was mentioned a few times on the podcast. I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks back, and then me and Simon spoke about it last week, and I, I was saying about how oh, this is a bit of a crossroads for Gavin McDonnell, but my word, did he put on a boxing performance on Saturday night against Gamal Yufai? For me, he took Yufai to school. He schooled Yufai, and that, that wasn't what I was expecting whatsoever. I was expecting a more competitive, 50-50 fight and I was very surprised and McDonald for me now has shown that he's got a lot left to give to the sport and I think he, he you know again based on that performance he, he I'm giving out world title shots for fun here in my mind but he does deserve um, he does deserve another shot I think I think he learned a lot from the Reyes loss and now he's just gone in there and beat uh, an undefeated prospect who's having a lot of smoke blowing up his ass and he's just schooled him so for me now yeah he should get a title shot he should be getting pushed and I'm sure Eddie Earn will do something you know what Eddie Earn's like he'll make something for McDonnell I think he's definitely got an opportunity uh, to, to at least go for another chance I mean I'm not being funny but if Paul Smith Jr. can get five world title shots and Martin Murray can get five world title shots why can't Gavin McDonnell get a second world title shot what did you think of that fight Cahill? No, that was one of them where you were going to see what was left in the tank for Gab McDonald, and he proved that he has he has miles and miles left in the tank. And Gamalio Foy can come again. He was just in there with a more complete boxer, someone who can use their reach, has a very good boxing brain, and for twelve rounds was just he wasn't in the fight. He it was that one of those kind of things where Gab McDonald was the better fighter, and all he had to do if he boxed his best, he was going to beat Gamalio Foy, and that's exactly what he did. And he got the deserved points decision. And I think the McDonald brothers over the next next few months, you're going to see the best from them. I see Jamie's traveling out to Japan now. Something that, that just takes pure balls. He's going out there fighting a very tough champion. 
And if he comes back with a world title, it, it makes his name even bigger. And now Gavin is going to try for another world title, and he deserves it. He deserves it after two tonight. Thirty-one now, and he's at that point in his career where Eddie Hearn needs to start delivering for him. Gamal Yafai the other night, that could have been. Yeah, let's see how good Gamal Yafai is. For me, it was let's see what Gavin McDonald has left in his tank, and he has a whole lot. The guy. He's been. He has won the feet. So a couple of draws and things like that. So Kevin McDonald isn't passed, and he proved that the other night. He has a good, good strong corner behind him and a good team around him. So hopefully Eddie Hearn now can really deliver for Gavin McDonald because for a lot of people they were focusing on Jamie and then like oh yeah, but there's Gavin as well. But Gavin really put his name on the map the other night. As I said, Gamalifoy can come again, and I'm sure that Eddie Hearn will sort him out. But someone that he does need to focus on because there is such a such a wealth of talent over there at Matchroom. But he needs to focus on guys like Gavin McDonald who can put in performances like this look so good. And maybe that's what they need to push him. They need to get him on the, the shows like the Joshua shows but in big title fights because the other night showed that he has has another world title fight in him and maybe even more because he, he's... I'd, yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that one, Sean. He did school Gamal Yafai and you could see that there's, there's levels to this and... Gavin McDonald was was a few levels above where Kamal Yafoy is at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's why I was um, intrigued as the fight went along. And I, I know East McDonald was boxing so well uh, on the front foot and on the back foot. He, you know, he just impressed me, and I, I, I hate to say I was kind of writing him off a little bit a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't really, but I did. I did say objectively it was a 50-50 fight, and if McDonald loses that fight, where does he go? Well, he's proved people wrong. He's definitely got something left to give, and. Um, Hopefully, he will get another opportunity uh, at a world title sometime in the future. We'll be talking about uh, the other McDonald a little bit later on in the show with the news that's come out this week. But let's move on and look at some of the action from Saturday uh, and discuss what we thought of the outcomes. Uh, Moving over to the build that was over on Channel 5, uh, the headline event, which we'll talk about first, Josh Taylor, which uh, for me put on, I would say, a punch-perfect performance against his late replacement in Winston Campos. I thought he did really well. Uh, he, he didn't seem to put uh, a foot or a punch wrong in the fight. And he's just proven once again that the the, 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 the win over O'Hara Davis. And it looks even better now, given you know this fight. I mean, obviously, Winston Campos, we, you know, people will sit there and say, well, yeah, but it was only this guy who's, you know, he's, 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 he's not really anyone special. He's, no, he's not really anybody of note, but he's not really anybody who's took a lot of losses in that fashion. And Josh Taylor put on a really good performance, and I, I, I do feel even this early on in his career, he's one of the few fighters out there that I could honestly say he's probably he's probably ready for the bigger fights now. Even at this early on, he's, he's I think what is he eleven or twelve now? I know. And I feel like he's a guy that could mix it with some of the best in that division already. I'd like to see him in now uh, with people like Jack Catterall, with people like a Tyrone, you know, someone like a Tyrone Nurse who, who lost his British title to Jack Catterall and will be look, possibly looking for a way back. I think a Josh Taylor. Um, Tyrone Nurse fight would be fantastic. I just think I just feel like he's a guy that is going places, and that performance again. Just, just justified it for me. Uh, that was a great fight. Going over to you, Carl. Uh, did you catch it? What did you think of it? And do you think that he is ready for bigger fights now? Yeah, I believe he is bigger. For, I think he is ready for bigger fights. And Josh Taylor is one of them that has been built perfectly by the McWiggins and Channel 5 because he's kind of the head of the platform over there. And it's free terrestrial TV. You can watch Josh Taylor. And yeah, he's 12-0, and 0, but... 
already looks as if he's in the mold of someone who's going to pick up maybe a world title, maybe multiple world titles. But the, the, the best thing for Howard Davis is that, or not Howard Davis, sorry, Josh Taylor was that he has been in big fights. He hasn't shied away from anything, willing to fight anyone. He's been out on a regular basis. That kind of thing. He's active. He's constantly there. And he's one of them probably that at the moment, you were saying Jake Catterall and Tyrell Nurse or something. Why not throw him in for a world title fight? Because he has the, he has the following. I, I right at the moment think he's just on the cusp there. Is he, does he really want to get be at British level? Or do you think you can try him? Because he, he, he looks superb in every fight. And maybe a world title is a bit much at the moment but boxing is about risks and I think Josh Taylor would be willing to take those risks I seen him call out Adrian Broner the other day that's something I wouldn't hate seeing because Josh Taylor is someone that as I said he has the whole platform to himself there on Channel 5 he's going to be the main event they're building him well and maybe hopefully they can keep building him but can they keep building him for the big fights you need is it not like are they going to be able to attract the big fights for Josh Taylor? You're going to be fighting on Channel 5, but does he need to move to a bigger platform to be able to to take him to that next level? I'm sure Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren would love to snap him up. And he's one of those that kind of, he's ticking along just nicely. He's one of those that you need to keep an eye on. And if a world title fight was announced for him, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think the Tyra Nurse fight, the Jake Catterall fight, is is probably what's going to be next. But I'd, I'd fancy him going in with any of them. I think that Josh Taylor could... Uh, could pick up multiple world titles he looks that good and he looks that polished just after 12 professional fights he does and I'm excited to see what the future holds and I'm hoping the McGreens can steer him uh, in the direction that we all want to see him go on the undercard of the Channel 5 show uh, was a very, very good fight, um, which featured uh, Jason Easton and Glenn Foote. That was uh, a, a bit of a show-stealer, to be honest, although the Josh Taylor fight was a great victory for him. That was a really good fight. Uh, did you manage to catch that one? No, I didn't catch that one. No, I caught the I caught the highlights of the Josh Taylor fight. I didn't catch the Glenn Foote fight. Um, prize fighter winner, wasn't he? Yes, he was, and I tell you what, it was a cracking fight on the undercard. Obviously, Jason Easton was going into that undefeated. I think he, again, he was about 11, 12 and 0, funnily enough, uh, and he went in against Glenn Foote, who we've actually seen in some wars uh, of the past 12 months, and this one was no exception to the rule. It was a really good fight. Jason Easton picked up the victory. He goes on now to bigger things. Glenn Foote, you know, he, he's just a guy that is a warrior. Uh, he, he, he's that level above. Um, he's, he's at British. I'd say he's at British level, but he's just he just can't quite reach that 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 goal, and he just sort of seems to sh- sh- fall short of that level. And I think now we're going to see Jason Easton move on into bigger and better things. But yeah, it was another great fight that for people that were watching the Channel Five show will have caught it and will have thought that was a really good fight as well. It was interesting uh, to see the the progression of Jason Easton. Uh, another notable uh, fight on the card was Chantal Cameron picking up her fifth professional victory. And we're going to talk about today and what today is uh, later on in the show. But Chantal Cameron, you know, a female boxer that's looking really, really good. Also under the guidance of the McGuigans. So, whilst they've lost people like Frampton, they're starting to build a little bit of a stable of fighters again now. And and like you say, Josh Taylor is sort of fronting that at the moment. And I think they're going to continue to try and rebuild and, and get some good fighters on board. And keep bringing us these shows on, on terrestrial TV. I've heard a lot of stuff about the McGuigans and the, the, the way they've handled business with some of the fighters mm. we've seen in the past 12 months. Uh, I'm not here to sit here and slag them off and say they've done this and they've done that, but they've lost some very, very good fighters. Very good fighters. And now they're back to square one and they're now rebuilding. And they're starting to rebuild a little bit of a, a, a decent stable, I would say now. And I'm, I'm sort of 
thinking that they're going to quietly build this in the background while we're all looking at the big big guns of the, the promoting world with your Frank Warrens and your Eddie Hearns um, and then you've got your, your other promoters underneath them like your MCK Globals and people like that you know that that, that are sort of up and coming in the boxing promotion world but you've got the McGuigans still floating around still building this stable up a good show overall I managed to catch most of the fights it was very difficult because of how many fights was on last Saturday I literally had the the, the telly on and I had the, the laptop on me knee at the same time uh, streaming other fights that was live and I'm going to move over uh, to to your neck of the woods now over in Ireland because if people didn't see it over the weekend Ireland had their own little prize fighter style tournament over the weekend uh, with the last man standing which I managed to catch the majority of that show and I, I, I enjoyed it I thought that was a decent show and the, again I love the prize fighter style format and I love the whole the way they set it all up did you manage to catch anything of that I mean I know it's been a bit hectic over there with the the bad weather and stuff but did you manage to catch any of that or the highlights afterwards no i i, I did i catch, caught most of it trying to flick between um channel five kell brooks fight and last man standing last man last man standing was actually shown on irish television here and it's rare that we get a uh, box actually shown on our irish channels we have rt one and two and we have tv three and then we had last man standing on tg car which is an irish language channel so um it's great to see boxing um, back on an Irish channel and an Irish uh, Irish language channel as well so hopefully TG Carr can keep pulling away with uh, kind of if the last man standing thing I think it was a success everything I read was a success um, good crowd there on the night in the National Stadium kind of uh, the home of Irish boxing uh, some great nights there being there at shows myself and always always a huge atmosphere and I didn't make it down the other night but um, it was one of them that the snow would have affected how many people got down but still a great crowd and um, it was great to see uh, Roy Sheehan uh, pick up the win and hopefully it's a it's a competition that continues to grow because I think it did catch the catch the imagination the other night because TJ Carr is one of them um I doubt you'd have it over, you, know, you won't have it over there um on Sky it's one of the first four channels that we that we get so uh, twenty five thousand euro and um th- not a small amount of money to any boxer but to a boxer of of that level it's gonna be it's gonna be brilliant it can help him push him on his career and Roy Sheen is one of them now that. Has his name on the map, um, a lot of interviews being done by papers and stuff like that. And it helps Irish boxing grow, uh, the kind of competition style. I think anybody who knows who listens to this podcast will know that I think it's it's what suits boxing the best. And uh, a few fights in a night, um, as I said, you arrived there. If you arrived at the National Stadium on, on Saturday evening, um, you would have you would have seen a, a number of fights from from the same fighters. So you kind of get you kind of have your own. You kind of side with one that you want to go on and win, and then it's it's that it's that kind of excitement. It's not just one big main event. It's 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 the whole build up to it. So I think it's something that uh, did really well here, and I think uh, congratulations to Roy Sheen picking up picking up a big check, and hopefully that uh, TG Carr can uh, get other divisions involved because. One one division that I've noticed in Ireland that is a is a, is a bus is a buzzing little uh, division is the heavyweight division with the likes of Niall Kennedy, Con Sheehan, Sean Taylor. One of them that you'd love to see because there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of divisions in Ireland with a lot of fighters, and I think the the last man standing would uh, sue any of them perfect. We talked about this on the boxing wish list episode a couple of weeks ago about obviously seeing more Irish boxing going on and more terrestrial stuff going on. Yes, okay, for people like me over here uh, in Manchester, I wasn't able to catch it on the normal uh, route of channels. However, they had their own website and they had their own televised version of it on the website, which is how I, how I watched it. So I was I was happy to be able to sit and watch that and flip between the two 
uh, that was going on at the time, and, and I watched it, and you know, to be fair, they did really well, the whole setup of the tournament, and the reason I say that is because they had a lot of dropouts, and they had a lot of last-minute standings, and two of them two of them last-minute standings train over in the northwest. We had Chris Blaney and Jack Cullen, and, and Jack Cullen obviously went on to the final against Roy Sheehan, and... I felt for personally. I felt for Jack just because I know he only had about ten minutes rest from his last fight to his final fight with Roy. I don't think that was enough personally, and it definitely contributed to him not being able to put on the performances he were putting on prior to that. So, obviously, congratulations goes to Roy. He's won it. He's got a life changing amount of money now to be able to push his career on. Uh, I do feel for Jack, but this has done nothing but good for 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 Bolton's Jack Cullen because now he's come over as a last minute replacement. He's gone on. He's beat two fighters in the tournament. Yeah, he couldn't he couldn't win it, but we said this a couple of weeks ago about prize fighter, and I don't think these types of losses do them any harm in these types of tournaments because they sort of seen as, I wouldn't like to say novelty tournaments, but they're a little bit different. They're not your normal 10, 8, 10, 12 round fights, are they? They're just free, you know, they're free round fights. So you can't really look too much, too much into that because if you was fighting in a 12 round fight, it could be a completely different style of fighting because they're training in a different way. So... It was good to see it do well. It was obviously difficult with the weather over there and it probably stopped a lot of people being able to to fill the place out completely. But as you rightly pointed out, it did get a decent crowd. So fair play to all them fans that went out there and braved that weather and got there and went to see it. Uh, One of the fighters which I've mentioned uh, on the podcast and who's been on the podcast, in fact the first episode, uh, was Dylan Moran who who had a bit of an issue himself uh, with that because because of the weather he literally had no boots no shorts no gloves and was able to get him and get in the ring and pick up another victory and continue on his impressive career and he's one that I've mentioned to yourself a few times now so I don't know if you did you see Dylan fight on the night at all no I didn't catch him that night it's me and Dylan seem to be missing each other but it's definitely one that, I, that I'm going to be looking over again because the last man standing competition is something that I'm going to look over again over the next couple of days I would definitely recommend it I've, I have said it before Dylan's been on uh, on the first episode of the podcast and he, he's a guy that I do genuinely believe is going places and, and one that, you know, a lot of Irish fans or, or you know, the guys over in Ireland, he gets, to be honest with you, he gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of views on YouTube as well, to be fair. The interviews I've done with him for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat, he, he picks up a good few hundred views for a guy that really is not as well known yet, but he's starting to become more well known because there's a massive following in Ireland and it just goes to show when you're picking up a lot of views like that for for, for people like Dylan who's in the start of his, I think he's like 5, 6 and 0 oh now, so before we know it, this guy's going to be at 10 and 0 oh and he's, he's going to start to be putting himself on bigger cards and one thing about Kieran Farrell is he does manage to get his fighters on big cards, he's managed to get Danny Craven on World Boxing Super Series cards. Yeah, he's managing to get some of his fighters on these big events. You know, they might, yeah, they might be on the undercards and they might not be the televised fights, but they are still on big cards and they are still in big events. So it's big experiences for these guys. Uh, but no, going back to the, the the topic of conversation, which was the last man standing tournament, I did enjoy it. I would like to see more of it. I definitely think, like yourself and the Irish fans over there, would definitely love to see more of it because you've got a thriving boxing community going on and these are the types of things that help propel these fighters to the next level. 
especially when you know it gives the the, the attention on, on a worldwide scale because yeah i wasn't able to watch it on the terrestrial version of the channel that you get over in ireland but i was able to watch it online and i bet there was a lot of other people that did exactly the same i know for sure on on, on my social media channels that there were a lot of people posting about it and there was people talking about it so and that's also against competing against the Brook fight as well. So it did pretty well considering there was the, the Brook fight and the, the fights on the Brook had and the Josh Taylor fight as well. It did pretty well to be fair. Um, but let's move on and I want to go over to uh, the action over in America uh, which I was speaking about on last week's show. The fights that happened we had two light heavyweight title fights. Uh, the first one being Sergei Kovalev uh, he picked up the victory against Mick Holkin well what can I say it was a typical Kovalev performance and he got the stoppage win and he looks a dominant force uh, pre the ward fights another one did you did you catch this fight over the weekend or the highlights of this fight yeah I actually did catch this fight I caught it on Sunday Um, it's he was always going to beat McCulkin because but the opponents he's facing after ward they're not they're not setting the world on fire and the performances aren't setting the world on fire so maybe the next one should be Bivol. Um, I don't think they're going to push them though together so quickly. Um, just another kind of standard kind of defense, which is kind of become the norm with some guys like Kovalev and Stevenson. They're not in the kind of big exciting fights at the moment that you'd love to see. I mean, I know Stevenson is going to be taking on Badu Jack, but prior to that, they're kind of just ticking along with world titles and kind of fighting when they know that like the organising bodies want them to, and Kovalev is, he, that was the first time I really got excited about his career when, when he was war, when he was fighting war, like, it's all well and good knocking people out, but you you want something to tune into, and the other night wasn't something like, if you if you weren't a boxing fan and you knew of Kovalev and then you seen the opponent, yeah, good record and all that, but he's not, he's not on a Kovalev's level, and Kovalev just kind of, he could, he, he could kind of, Pick and choose what he needed to do on the night. He could test out new things he wanted to test out. But I think his high point was the Ward fights. And I think now he can kind of look at perhaps the Bivol fight. There's other fights out there. We'll have to see Badu Jack and Stevenson. But the light heavyweight division is kind of a bit stale at the moment. There is names there, but you need them to start fighting each other because Kovalev is 34 now. He's not going to be around forever. And why not throw him in with the likes of Bivol next? It's going to be a big fight if they build it right. And Bivol looked brilliant. We, we, he showed what we need. Well, he... He showed what we wanted to to find out about him, but Kovalev can't just have these kind of ticket along um, uh, defenses anymore because it's going to get to the point where no one cares. I think Adonis Stevenson's already hit that point where no one really cares until now that he's fighting Badu Jack. I think Badu Jack could defeat him, but you almost hope that he defeats him because they can breathe some like kind of life into that into that light heavyweight division. Um, Kovalev, he did what he needed to do. That's all I can really say, and that he did what he needed to do, what he was up against, and that wasn't a whole lot compared to what Kovalev has to offer. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. You, you're only as good as the opponent you're putting in front of you, and obviously he's not really putting opponents that are setting the world alight, as you said earlier. Uh, the, the the fighter we want really uh, for Kovalev is is people like Stevenson, uh, a potential fight in the future with Badu Jack. You know, we want to see him in against big names again. We don't want to see him just making these little defenses against people that are clearly not going to beat him. But then there's obviously Dimitri Bivol who stopped Sullivan Barrera, which was a, a great stoppage in the 12th and final round, which was the other world, world light heavyweight title fight of the weekend. And Bivol, even for so early on in his career, looks like a guy that could probably take most of the top, you know, light heavyweights in the world out. And and a fight with Kovalev, 
I'd like to see it. I mean, really, with the likes of Adonis Stevenson, Badu Jack fighting each other, who else is, is there for them two to fight now? You know, they're just going to keep seeing him fighting <sighs> tomato cans, punch bags. That's not what we want to see. We want to see these guys get get it on, basically. We want to see this happen. And, yeah, it might be early on in his career for Bivol, but why why not throw him in? Why, why waste time? If, he, if the guy's got it, he's got it. And he, you know, he will do well. We've seen it in the past. We've seen novices, you know, that we think, ah, what are you doing throwing this novice in with this seasoned pro? And the novice comes out on top. We've seen it happen. Why can't this happen? I'm just a big believer in, you know, if the guy's ready, the guy's ready. It's as simple as that. He beat beat a very good fighter in Sullivan Barrera, a very good fighter, and he did it impressively as well. And for me, that just goes to show that he is ready. Yeah, but but I think he is ready. The first I really got to see a bit of was when um, he was on the matchroom card in Monaco, and the Trent Broadhurst knockout was when he kind of just it was so it was like the the speed the the speed of the shot was so quick that you just seen Trent Broadhurst kind of drop to the bottom of your screen and you didn't really know what happened. So why wouldn't they put him in with um with Kovalev? I think he is ready. He's twenty seven. Kovalev is thirty four. Who knows? It could be the passing of the torture. If Kovalev is as good as as we were were led to believe he is, then it's it, it should be an easy line for him. But I think Bivol is a different animal. I think he's one of them that they're trying to. Look, is he like in the mold of Golovkin, where he's just a knockout machine, quiet kind of almost stealth mode goes through, goes through his opponents, and he kind of just builds up a record that way. But that once again is going to take a long time to to build up. And I think if they really want to to light a fire under the light heavyweight division, have Bivol fight um, Kovalev, the winner of that could fight the winner of Badu Jack and Stevenson, and then you're kind of getting big, exciting fights. And that's what the, the light heavyweight division wants at the moment, because at the moment, it's one of the kind of divisions that has kind of names in it, but it, it's not one that you tune in for. It's not something that's going to get the casual fan kind of excited. If you knew Kovalev was fighting the other night and he was fighting Ward, I know that didn't that didn't really appeal to casual fans, but Kovalev now was just in almost a tick-along phase, and Bivol, I'd have to agree with you, Sean, throw him in. I don't think Bivol's an opposite by any means. I think he's uh, he's he, he looks seasoned enough already, and he proved you the night that he can do the 12 rounds, and he was lasting there, and his power is still there in the 12th round. I know Pereira's tank wouldn't have been the greatest come, come to 12th, but it's it's to the point now where you're going to get to the point where you don't care. I am I know I am, speaking personally. I don't care really what Adonis Stevenson does. Um, if he if he lost to Badu Jack, I think it's a good thing just for the light heavyweight division itself. If you're a boxing fan, you don't want the title sitting on someone like Adonis Stevenson who keeps posting pictures of him in cars and watches and all that kind of stuff. You're like, get out and fight because no one really gives a shit. You're not the, you're not the kind of big name that you think you are. Get out and defend the title. But I think the light heavyweight division this year needs to kind of, if those fights don't happen, you can kind of say, yeah, that heavyweight, that light heavyweight division is kind of, it's it, it's a, it's a it's a real stinker of a division, and probably need something like a World Boxing Super Series to light a fire under it again. You, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth there. Uh, I was just going to say, do you think it needs a World Boxing Super Series? Yes, definitely. It certainly well bloody does need a World Boxing Super Series, unless they make the fights that need to happen. One of them we finally got Badu Jack Stevenson. We want to see Kovalev Bivol now. And we want to see the winners of these two respective fights fight each other. That's just us talking as fans, really. That is just us giving our fan thoughts on it, to be fair. But realistically, that's what 
that's what most boxing fans would want to see. They don't want to see him beating punch bags up. They don't want to see him beating mandatories that shouldn't even be fighting for world titles because they're not even in the top 20. You know, they need, they need to be fighting guys of the same stature and same uh, around the same rank ranked in the division rather than fighting guys that uh, just know it's an easy payday. It's an easy fight. It's an easy defence and he keeps them active. Not what I want to see in boxing. Um, but that sort of sums up the weekend for me and sums up how hit and miss some of the fights were over the weekend and I want to look forward to this weekend and, and, and there's not as many fights on this weekend to be fair but we'll go through them and we'll talk through the, 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 the notable fights that are going on this weekend and then to close the show uh, we've got what obviously the, the biggest thing that's been going on in boxing this week uh, we've got quite a few other things that have been going on as well and we'll talk about that before we close the show but let's move on to the weekend the WBO featherweight title is on the line Scott Quigg versus Oscar Valdez uh, Quigg now looking to pick up another world title he's looking to pick up a be, well become a two-way world champion now it would be if he, if he wins this title come Saturday night but he's going in against Oscar Valdez, who's a very, very good fighter uh, and the current WBO featherweight champion. And he's a featherweight champion for a reason. Um, we've seen Quick step up and we've seen the one time he did step up, he lost against Carl Frampton. Is this Quick's time now for him to become a champion again? And do you think that he can overcome a fighter like Oscar Valdez? Um, I don't think, as much as I like Scott Quick, I think he's a really good fighter. Um, I, I, it's a big ask going to the states and beating Oscar Valdez. Oscar Valdez carries power, undefeated, has the home like he over in his territory. But it's a big ask for Quick. I know he's been out there with Freddie Roach and things like that. Didn't look great in his last performance. I have to admit, but it could be. I don't want to say a crossroads at the moment. If he can get this win, it's really gonna, really gonna I'd say it again, light a fire under his career. But I think Oscar Valdez will have a will have different plans. A, a huge ask. I'd be really surprised if Scott Quick could do it. But if he has the work rate, um, if he can, if he can, if his work rate's there for twelve rounds and he has cardio for days and. And it is lives and breeds boxing. Like we've seen that in the build up to most fights. That boxing is is really his life. And I think left school because he, he the reason was he was going to become a, a world champion one day. Yeah. Um. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to become a world champion again on Saturday night. I think Oscar Valdez has too much, and it wouldn't surprise me if he stopped. If he stopped uh, Scott Quigg, I think Oscar Valdez is a is a different animal. Um. At the moment in his career compared to where Scott Quigg is in his career. I'd like to see Scott win personally. I mean, we've not really seen how well he's progressed under Freddie Roach, to be honest with you. Because again, it's it's all about levels in boxing and the level of opponents that Scott Quiggs had since his return, and and his his tutelage of uh, under Freddie Roach. Sorry, we've not really seen the best, and we not we don't know if we're going to get the best. And now he's going in against a different animal, as you say, in Oscar Valdez. This really will be the time to see whether a world famous trainer like Freddie Roach has had an impact on him because you can't say training with someone like Freddie Roach is going to have an impact on him when he's fighting people that don't really want to fight back or are nowhere near the same level so you can't really make anything out of that it's when you get to the big big fights like these that that's when you know whether or not that gamble has paid off for Scott Quigg and going over and training over in America and training over with Freddie Roach this is how we're going to find out on, on Saturday night whether that's paid off or not I'd love it to pay off I really would but it's, it's going to be a tough ask. It's a tough ask for him. I really hope he does it. But he's got an animal in the other corner in Valdez. If he can use that engine that he's got, he may be able to grind out a win over 12 rounds. But 
like you said, there's a possible late stoppage for Valdez on the horizon. So it's a, it's a fight that's going to be intriguing uh, to watch because we're going to see whether the engine and the work rate of Scott Quigg can outdo the power of Valdez. So we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it either way. I'm looking forward to watching it. I probably will watch it Sunday morning. I never, you know what, I never stay up anymore for boxing as much as I love it unless it's a major, major, major fight, which, you know, like we've not had many major fights for a very long time. Um, that's been on at that time of the night or that time of the morning, Sunday morning. So I'll probably catch it when I wake up at a normal time on Sunday morning. But oh, good luck to Scott. I really hope he does it. Another fight that's on on Saturday night, Mikey Garcia going against Sergey Lipnets. We've just been talking about throwing Bivol in with Kovalev. They're throwing Sergey Lipnets in with Mikey Garcia, a 13-0. I'd probably say he's past the novice pro stage now. I'd probably say he's sort of pushing contender but I wasn't expecting to be a, a world title contender at this stage of his career and he's fighting for the IBF super lightweight title against a man that is probably one of the most easily avoided men in boxing at the moment in Mikey Garcia. I'm looking forward to seeing Mikey Garcia back because a lot of people want to see him fight Linares but now we're going to see a potential Linares Lomachenko. Will we ever see that happen? We don't know. Will we see a Garcia Lomachenko or Garcia Linares? I don't really know a lot about Sergei Lipnitz, so I can't really make a judgment on whether this guy is going to bring anything to the table come Saturday night and whether he's going to give anything that's going to trouble Mikey Garcia because at the moment, Garcia's looking on fire. Yeah, actually, Lipnitz is a bit is a bit better than um, they were giving him credit for. He actually is. He's the world champion. Going in, uh, going into Saturday night, uh, this is Garcia kind of stepping up in weight. It's it, they're not. I don't think they're putting uh, Limnets in with Mike Garcia to kind of. Um, it's not to see how he where, where he is. He's the defending champion. It's almost like being fed to the dogs because Mikey Garcia, thirty-seven and zero, is an absolute beast. And at the moment, I can't see Limnets doing anything that's going to uh, affect or upset the career of um, Mikey Garcia at the moment. I think there's bigger fights that even uh, even his promoters will have their eyes on at the moment because he's one of them that he's taking along nicely and he's just waiting for that big, huge fight. I think the Mikey Garcia we want to see is in with the likes of um, uh, Linares, um, perhaps if Lomachenko. Th- those kind of fights, they're super fights if you're a boxing fan and he hits like a fucking truck. So <laughs> Limnitz could be in for a long night. I don't think he's going to hold on to his uh, his world title for too long. But it's a, it's a step up in weight for um, Garcia. And possibly this is going to be the year where we see the best of Garcia, uh, Garcia um, beating the likes of Browner. Um, the knockout is that cannon, I think falls under the falls under the, the best knockouts of, uh, of, um, of any year let alone 2017, it was one of them, a kind of, a chilling kind of uh, a knockout. Um, so one of them, you're excited to see how Garcia is progressing, um, always looks good, never never kind of looks kind of flat, always in great shape, always kind of, has that kind of style that always looks good, a bit like Golovkin, Golovkin usually looks good, and I, I don't think we're going to see anything different from Mikey Garcia come um, come Saturday evening, I think it's going to be uh, business as usual, but who knows, I, I, I could be wrong, um, Limpnitz could, uh, could shock the world. Well, we'll see. We'll see, won't we? You know, obviously, um, he's the defending champion. He's going to have a tough task on his hands. But as I've said with the Bivol fight and potential Kovalev fight, you know, he's he's earlier on in his career, but he's also a champion as well. And I think we'll get to see what this guy's made of come Saturday night, if he's going to test anything in Garcia. Uh, I'm personally not expecting it. 
but you really never know what can happen in these fights and and that's the beauty of boxing I suppose we get to see these type of things happening uh, moving on another fight on that particular card uh, is Rancis Barthelemy uh, I think it's Barthelemy uh, who's 26-0 and uh, he's fighting a former Ricky Burns opponent uh, in Kirill Relic who uh, Ricky Burns for I think it was two years ago now 2016 um, Ricky Burns beat him on a unanimous decision this particular fight is actually a rematch uh, for a fight between the Barthelemy and Relic from last year in which Barthelemy picked up the unanimous decision now I'll be honest and say to the listeners that I've never actually watched his first fight so I'm not able to again make a judgment on how the fight actually went and whether it's justified this second fight I'm assuming it has justified the second fight for it to be happening uh, and with it being for a world title as well but I have seen I have seen a lot of Barthelemy I have seen a lot of him I do follow him on social media and I do see what he gets up to and, and, and he looks like a guy that we need we need to see a bit more of um, obviously the, the guys over in America probably see a lot more of this guy than what we do but over here we don't really see a lot of him I've not really seen a lot of him and, and a lot of talk about him over here either which uh, is a shame really for a guy who's 26-0 and is a world champion you'd be expecting that the, this guy's the type of opponent you're going to be looking at some of our British contingent over here and some of the fighters we've got who, who are, are in the same division so it should be a good it should be a good uh, an interesting fight I mean Kuro Relic we've seen against Ricky Burns he's a tough guy he's a tough guy to get out of there and it just goes to show when he, the losses he has occurred have been unanimous decisions they have been on points so I'm expecting another tough fight uh, on, on Saturday night but it's, it's always difficult to predict because the rematches you know they never always go the way of the first one so uh, sometimes it can be a bit of a letdown as we've seen in the past so we'll see what comes of this particular one but I, I want to ask you because I, I've not like I say I've not really um, seen a lot of, of of relic other than the fight with Ricky Burns and I've not seen the fight between these two last time so I don't really know if this this fight is justified so I don't know if you've managed to catch up with any any of these uh, fights at all Cahill, or this particular fighter in Barthelemy um, well the first fight they had was unanimous unanimous decision in the favour of Barthelemy uh, but a Cuban who has built up a record and I guarantee a lot of people wouldn't know his name or be able to pick him out from a crowd there's a lot of fighters they'll find over in the US with records that are as padded as, as a mattress but he's the Kira Relic fight he won it by unanimous decision I, I, I'm like you Sean I didn't see the first fight so unless there was some controversy but a unanimous a unanimous decision unless you'd be wondering why they want to want to get it on again but it could have been just a, a great fight it's one that I'm going to have to look over the highlights of before before Saturday night but um, it's for, for a world title um, for a vacant title Kira Relic is coming off he's be, he's lost his last two that's one to Bartholomew and one to Burn. so maybe another one and, he, and, he, and he's calling it a day but one of those fights that I guarantee you'll fall under the radar if you're not a boxing fan and even if you are a boxing fan you'll do well to kind of uh, be um, be excited for this one but uh, there's nothing you can do the, the names are the names and the, the, the records are the records 26 and 0 Sure, you could you could look through that and you could kind of think, but who have you, who have you faced? Um, but it's it, it's a world title fight, and if you're if you're a boxing fan, a world title fight is a world title fight, no matter no matter what way you look at it. 
No, absolutely. And, and this is why I've brought it up, to be honest with you, because I do feel like when we give uh, coverage of the fights that are going on across the world, it's one that I've picked up on this week and I'm thinking <coughs> to myself, well, actually, this is a fight really we should be keeping an eye on because this is a potential opponent for, for some of the British contingent in the future. So definitely keep an eye on this one if you manage to catch anything over the weekend as well as some of the other stuff that's going on. But that leads us on really to the last part of today's show. So we want to look at some of the news uh, and some of the controversy that's gone on this week in the boxing world. And I can't start anywhere but Canelo failing a drugs test. Oh my God. What the hell's going on in this day and age of boxing? That's all I can say. It just feels like every other week there is a fighter failing a drugs test. I mean, Canelo, don't get me wrong... He's he's an absolute monster compared to what he was, and now this drugs test failure has come out, and now it kind of makes you feel like you're questioning everything the guy's ever done in boxing because of this, because he was knocking all his opponents out. You know what what he did to Amir Khan. I mean, Amir Khan. You know, you only have to you know touch the guy with your little finger and he falls over to the canvas but to be fair he took a massive shot and was 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 he on drugs at the time canelo it makes you question everything about these particular fighters that are getting caught now obviously Luis Ortiz we talked about him being a drugs cheat earlier but he'd not been in in any other notable fights he'd fought you know Dave Allen and, and Malik Scott but didn't look impressive but we've seen canelo fight the likes of Mayweather um, we've seen him fight Austin Trout we've seen him fight Kirkland with a great knockout over Kirkland we've seen him in some big fights against some very big names and he came through all of them but Mayweather so it quite for me it makes me question everything that he's ever done now as a fighter but weirdly enough they're still letting this fight go ahead with Golovkin what what do you make of this whole controversy this week? Yeah no that's with the shady side of boxing and this disappears the, the minute the news came out it was almost brushed under the carpet straight away it was kind of like yeah he's going to go to the States now and he's going to like be meeting from there and this, is, this isn't this is the first time Mexican fighters have been caught up in this kind of the, the meat scandal and um, I think Vargas is being caught for it as well it, see it do it like this fight is so big that something was like there's always something going to come out because there's so many eyes on it. Last time it was a judging scandal. This time, if Canelo was to knock out Gennady Golovkin, he's on drugs. If Gennady, if Gennady Golovkin beats him up, ah, uh, yeah, well, you better drugs cheat anyway. He was probably he probably came off the juice and you and you and you and you bet him that way. See, it's it's so disappointing. And from someone from Canelo, who I thought, it, 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 I have to be honest, it taints him for me straight away. And um, the, the contaminated meat, and that's you kind of look back over his pre- previous performance, Sean. I'd agree with you and. What if what has to happen before this kind of drug cheese is taken serious in boxing? What if that night Amir Khan hit the canvas? What if he didn't get up? Yeah. What if he what if he stayed down? What if he, if what if like it destroys so many lives? Like you're going in to use your fists to to fight another man. If this fight for me and I'm a boxing fan and all that kind of stuff, it's it's gonna go ahead. There's too much money. There's too much gone into it already for it to not go ahead. But if I was Gennady Golovkin, I'd be saying nope. Because I don't want to go in there with a drug sheet. And they can say it from meat and all that kind of stuff. Just look at the photos. Um, I know that doesn't that doesn't give you the full story. And who knows, it could be from meat and stuff like that. But if they know the story behind it, why was he even eating the meat? Why? What? Like, he comes out straight away, I've always been a clean fighter and all that kind of stuff. And you have the organisation bodies coming out saying, oh, he's always been a clean fighter. What does it take before? It, like, it's almost like it's been swept under the carpet straight away. Um, they're coming out the 
fight's going to go ahead. He's going to finish his camp in the USA. You're going to go on. But if this was a possibility, why wouldn't why wouldn't they have cleared it before? Why if he wasn't taken intentionally? Why wasn't every everything take every every precaution taken so this kind of thing didn't come up? And it's a it's a clenbuterol is a steroid. It's a weight cutting kind of um. um and I'm not sure if it's a steroid, but it's it helps with weight cutting. It also helps with uh, being able to last longer and things like that. So stuff that a boxer would need. Um, you you'd be hoping that um it is just me, but I think the way they've swept it under the carpet straight away. I think Golovkin has said it's outrageous if it's a if it's a performance enhancing drug, but it's been swept under the carpet, and that's what's going to keep happening in boxing. It, it's going to take someone not getting up, someone staying down, and unfortunately losing their life to a drugs cheat for anything to be done. But that's why people look at boxing and kind of not much and that sure you don't know what's going on. People get sour with the sports when there's drug cheats in them. People don't really like the Olympics anymore because of that kind of thing. People look at Lance Armstrong, all that kind of thing. They have such big kind of reputations and the sport has such a big reputation. And it's ultimately destroyed by drugs cheats and people not really knowing what they're watching. The UFC do, I think, brilliantly. No matter what it is, it's it. You're getting a long ban. One of their best guys doesn't make a difference. John Jones out for a long time, and Canelo Ortiz, Kid Galahad, Lucas Brown. Maybe they shouldn't be any exception. Who knows? But it has to be investigated in full. You have to know the full ins and outs of this. Not just kind of like, yeah, he's going to move to the United States and that's it. The fight's going ahead on in May. Uh, C is there. It 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 shouldn't be as simple. And I don't know about you, Sean, but the fight should be pulled. And there should be an investigation and it should be made public because people are spending the hard on money wanting to watch this. And that's what I keep thinking back. What if Kirkland didn't get up? What if what if serious damage was done to Cotto? What if Amir Khan didn't get up off the canvas that night? What are, what are you doing then? How many people has been spared by this being kind of being brought to life? That's going to hang over Canelo for the rest of his career. And, and rightly so. But for me, the fight should be pulled and a full investigation, a public investigation should be done. And I think it should happen with every fight. Whether it's a whether it's a white collar show in in Dublin or Manchester or Leeds or or Cork or anything like that, but it has to be from top to bottom. The the, the sport has to be clean because at the end of the day, it is such a dangerous sport. You know, you're touching on that subject. I mean, you wasn't on the show last week, but you heard the episode and you heard the tribute to Scott Westgarth at the start of the show last yeah. week. And this is yeah. exactly what we're talking about. These two guys put it all on the line and Scott, unfortunately, lost his life. And obviously that wasn't down to the fact that it was a drugs cheat on the other corner. It was the fact that these two guys went hell for leather. They put a fantastic show on in the Doncaster Dome. And unfortunately... You know, Scott lost his life, and and now Scott's family have got to live with this for the rest of their lives. Obviously, Scott knew the risk when he was going into it, but you never expect to, to, to for this to happen, really, because it's usually quite rare. But more and more, it's happening, and then you get this surrounding it: the drugs issues, the drugs. You know, oh, I've got tainted meat, tainted Mexican meat. You know, why are his team not? not sorting things like this out. This is why, in this day and age, we have a team and you have a corner and you have nutritionists, trainers, the lot. And this is why you pay these guys lots of money to make sure your camp goes 100% the way it needs to go. And what happens? We get this happening. Now it makes you question, how long has this been going on? How long has it been eating this tainted Mexican meat for? How long... Because now it questions, for me, everything that he's ever done. Because we don't know whether or not he'd been taking any of this before any of the big fights he's had in, in, in the lead-up to it to help him cut his weight, to help him increase his endurance, his stamina for the fights. We don't know. We're never going to know this now. But it makes you question it as a fan. And I'm very disappointed because 
before this, even if he lost the Golovkin fight, he would go down as an all-time great regardless of that because of what he's done in boxing. And now, he, he for me, he's tainted his career. They'll probably still put him in the bloody Boxing Hall of Fame, which is the, 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 what pisses me off about boxing, the corrupt side of it. And that this is kind of what you just said there about the fact that they're going to let the fight go ahead, they're going to brush this under the rug. That, that That's making it to me... I'm not surprised you have people protesting about boxing. I'm not surprised because when you're letting things like this happen just for the sake of a load of greedy promoters, which is what it is, let's let's boil down to it, it is is what it is. They should cancel this fight. They should do a public investigation into this uh, and and get to the bottom of it. Because now, you know, poor poor Gennady Golovkin, a guy that has probably lived clean and, and trained clean all the way throughout his career, you know, I'm hoping he doesn't come out at some point now and say, oh, I've had, I've had drugs. I really hope so. He doesn't look like the type of guy that has to be fair. He's got a normal average body type, but just hits like, yeah. a, fuck, hits like a fucking truck. And we know that. But... Poor Golovkin now, you know, it's all, it's not even about him anymore now. It's going to be all about Canelo and all the attention is going to be on what's Canelo going to do in this fight. Is he going to do this? Is he going to tire? Is he are we going to see a difference because he's not taking the drug? Has he been taking the drug? Now Golovkin takes a back seat and really Golovkin should be at the forefront of it because arguably, you know, people said he won that fight with Canelo. So now he's going to take the back seat. When you think of this fight, you're going to think of drugs straight away and then you're going to think about Canelo and then you're going to think about Golovkin. And it's a shame that this is going to happen and they're still going to let it go ahead. We're still, go- we're still all going to watch it, of course, but... For the sake of boxing, really, they need to start cancelling these fights, and they really need to start investigating it correctly. And they need to—I mean, look, let's look at Tyson Fury. You know, we talk about how much we like Tyson Fury as a fighter, how much we want to see him back. Look at what happened recently—he was out for two years. The British Boxing Board of Control wouldn't give him a license back because. You know, there was a, a, an issue over substances and an issue over drugs and blah de blah de blah Look at that. They actually banned the guy. What do we get now? We get Canelo going in this fight because it's a massive fight and it's a massive money-making fight. The greedy TV networks and the greedy promoters don't want to cancel it because they know they're going to lose, lose millions of dollars. And that's what it boils down to. It doesn't matter if uh, Canelo knocks Golovkin out and ends Golovkin's career because he's been taking drugs and he's hitting way harder than what he should do. Like it's like Ivan Drago from the Rocky films, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that sign. It's that kind of concept. The guy was on steroids. He was smashing the shit out of Rocky throughout the fight. Rocky somehow come comes and wins it somehow, unbeknown, but then ends up with brain damage after it. The, these types of things are actually real. These things can actually happen, and that's the last thing you want to see happen to a fighter. Now, my opinion of Kolo- uh, of not Kolovkin, of Canelo has changed. And now, whilst I think I had a bit of a favour towards Canelo maybe winning the fight, and now I, I want to see Golovkin win. I want to see him win comfortably and maybe even stop Canelo now and just teach the guy a lesson. And that, that's, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's what should happen now in this fight. He's going ahead. We ain't going to be able to change that no matter how much we put uh, our views across. It's going to happen. But now I want Golovkin yeah. to win. I want Golovkin to win for the sake of boxing. Yeah, it's. I think one thing that made me laugh the other day was seeing Oscar De La Hoya tweet out that uh, tweeted out to Deontay Wilder to say, hey, "Why don't you come over here and you'll have uh, someone properly promoting you?" Would Oscar De La Hoya not kind of say, "Here, we need to pull this fight. We need an investigation." Surely, at some point, money doesn't make a difference. Surely, at some point. Would Oscar De La Hoya be comfortable with Canelo going in there? And it's in a build-up to a fight. It's not like it's out of out of um, it's out of camp or anything like that. Yeah, he's like people say, but he's not going to be in full camp yet. 
he's getting ready for the fight Gennady Golovkin and he probably has been for a while so if any fighter tests positive for anything I know it's a tough life they lead but it's one of those that the rewards they get if they do do really well in their career and surely a clean life and the rep- like the reputation of Canelo now for me is in tatters because if he was to beat Golovkin if you couldn't beat him in the last fight where they say oh but you weren't on you weren't on the juice then but you beat him now but you were on the juice and then you're kind of thinking it, it, it leaves the fight in one of those positions where it's not the same fight for me anymore no, it really isn't. It's not a fight not. that I'll kind of be looking for, like at with the kind of you look at and kind of going, this is what boxing's about. And is boxing really going to turn into one of these where who's not on steroids, who is on steroids, who who's on the juice, who isn't? And you'd be hoping it's not gonna it's not gonna happen, as you said, Sean. There's there's too much money behind this. There's big TV companies. There's 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 too much invested in this for them to pull the plug on it now. But you you don't want, as you said, they brought up the Rocky movie, and yeah, it's a movie. But Ivan Drago killed. Um, Creed in that yeah. movie, so it, it happens as you said. Poor Scott Westcart last week, and as I wasn't on the show, but my sympathy goes to everyone who was affected by that, and anybody who's a boxing fan would have would have really um, been hit hard by that because that's someone who went in just because he wasn't fighting up for any title or anything, but. He he was a fighter and he loved boxing. And then a couple of couple of days later, after such a tragedy in boxing, you have Canelo who tests positive for let's say contaminated meat. Let's say it's that. But at the end of the day, there's a backstory to all this. Everyone knows the story with the Mexican meat, and it comes out. And it's almost a joke when it when it comes out when they're saying about Mexican meat. Kind of going like, how how have you been so stupid? So the family of Scott Westcar must be kind of going. That's just boxing. What happened to their son is such a tragedy. And then these big huge kind of because there's so much money invested in it and there's TV companies and there's just these guys at the top who have never boxed in their life and they're just kind of going, ah, oh, well, just sweep it under the carpet, get him to America, let him do his training camp there and, and get make sure you get him in the ring come May. That, that's what it seems like. Yeah, it, It's all about money and it, at the end of the day, it doesn't seem to be about the fighters or if Canelo, if Canelo had anything about him, if, if he knows the backstory to this, he goes, you know what, I need to make sure I'm clean. I'm going to enter the program. And people have said he's in VADA and all that kind of stuff. And now people are pointing the finger at other boxers because they look a certain way. But we want it to be clear and transparent. And when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's not. We don't know what they're being tested for, how often they're being tested. And they need to. it, it needs to be out in the open. That's why you, you watch sport. You don't want someone having an unfair advantage in, in running. But that kind of thing is no one's going to get hurt. This kind of thing is you're punching another guy in the face to win a fight. If you're using anything to help you do that, you don't deserve, you don't belong in the sport and you should be thrown out straight away. This is what we've said for weeks on end, to be honest with you, and we've referred to different people that have been in the sport or fighting in the sport or fighting for some sort of world title. And I hate to say it, but I've always followed these guys' careers and now I just kind of feel like they shouldn't be fighting. They should They should be banned. They shouldn't be fighting. They shouldn't be getting all this money because you, you, Canelo is now going to go into this fight and make millions, millions mm. off this fight. And you've got just giving... Uh, fundraising pages for people like Scott Westcalf's family, and yeah. although, although there was com- two completely different levels, you know, within boxing, it doesn't matter. It's still it's boxing. Still, still boxing at the exactly, end of the day. Exactly, exactly. And now you know a lot of people are rallying around to try and help Scott's family. You know, pay for the funeral costs, um, pay for the cost of them to live for the rest of their lives. You know, things like that. And then you get this. That it, it absolutely, it, it really riles me because now I know now that Canelo is going to make so much money off this fight. And even anyone, even like Ortiz who fought last week and he's made so much money off the fight and enhanced his reputation because of how he performed in the fight. 
like he's probably going to go on to make another couple of million throughout his career and it riles me to, to see these types of things happening but um, I don't want to spend any more time on that because I think we've both had our rant on this situation and I think a lot of other people have had the same rant on it as well uh, I want to move on and talk about uh, a couple of other little things before we wrap it up for today uh, I like a little feature that I always put out on social media uh, when I get the opportunity to is on, on on this day a boxing history piece and it popped up today and I thought you know what this is a really really good one uh, and it's we're recording this and we're going to be putting it out a little bit later on today uh, on the 8th of March 2018 uh, on the 8th of March 1971 Joe Fraser beat Muhammad Ali in the first of their three fights. Wow. <laughs> you know, these things pop up and I think to myself, what a great event that was back in the day. I was it was way before I was born, but I've watched these fights and you know, these are guys that uh, will always be in the history books. Obviously Muhammad Ali class is the greatest when you think of Muhammad Ali, you were always going to think of Joe Fraser. But this was a fight that was fantastic. Um, I love my boxing history, and this is one of the fights that I always love to watch, and then one of the trilogies I always love to watch. Um, just on a little side note then, Cahill, this particular fight, the first fight between Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser, probably one of the uh, pivotal fights in boxing history. Um, I'm assuming you've watched this one, and what did you make of it? Yeah, no, great fight. Um, and it went down as called the fight of the century but it was one of them that probably one of the bigger fights in boxing history one of them that you kind of it's bigger than just the the fight the fight itself it was the build up it was oh, the two yeah. fighters it was their dis- dislike for each other it was two undefeated fighters for the first time ever fighting for a heavyweight title and just a great fight 15 rounds which you don't see anymore but can you imagine after 15 rounds of heavyweight boxing how, how their bodies would have been and in the build up to all of that that's when when, pe- when people look at the heavyweight division or they look at any kind of division they always harken back to the kind of yeah but remember in the old days when it was Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier those kind of days and these are two guys that unfortunately aren't with us anymore but have left a left a mark on boxing that I think will will last forever and it was a it was a great fight um, Fraser picking up the win and something that when whenever you see kind of highlights of stuff and you see Muhammad Ali as you said Joe Fraser Muhammad Ali the two names are almost in sync with each other not the biggest fans of each other even up to the last their last few days but it was it was it's one of those fights that I don't think you'll get maybe not you might not even get it again where there was such hype around it, such kind of it, it, it made a difference. It was it was it's where boxing went on to a different level, and it's where the sport is where the sport is where it is today for fights like this and times like March eight and those kind of times where you look back at Muhammad Ali's career, you'll always remember Joe Frazier. Same with Joe Frazier's career, you'll always remember Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And March March eight is going to be probably the most the most significant day for both guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to bring it up because, although, like I said, I love my boxing history and I think it's a, a nice little relevant feature to bring up in the podcast. And, and, and I always put these posts out now and again across social media about on this day because I, I remember some of the fights. Some of the fights were within my time and it just brings up some fantastic memories. But even if it's not within my time, it's still fights that I've already seen or I've seen over the years myself as a boxing fan. So it's great to, to, to sort of bring that into the show today. Uh, the final little segment of the show uh, again we're going to refer to the date it's the 8th of march 2018 uh, and today is international women's day uh, and, and i think really i wanted to leave the final note of the podcast today on that because 
we've got a lot of great female fighters up and coming throughout the, especially within the British ranks, of course. Um, we've got the likes of Katie Taylor, obviously over from Ireland. We've got uh, Natasha Jonas uh, from Liverpool. Uh, we've even got in the Northwest uh, a very inspirational woman that I'd like to, to give a shout out to on this podcast in Stacey Copeland, uh, who picked up a victory last Friday. Um in, in, in bowlers that was in Manchester and she is not just somebody who is a fighter but she is a, a very inspirational uh, in terms of what she does for the community she is also a teacher uh, or a teaching assistant um, in her in her full-time career and she does a lot of talks at schools a lot of inspirational stuff for the locals uh, and she does a lot for women's boxing and she I never knew this until I did a podcast with her a few months ago that she actually played for the England women's football team as well and she was involved in an FA Cup final as well so she's actually had a very very good career before boxing and then she's gone into boxing and now she's uh, she looks like she's going to be one of those that you know, it's probably going to be up on the one of the big shows in the next twelve months. I would say because she's she's beating everything that's been put in front of her. And although the the, the 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 last fight wasn't as much of a test as what it should have been, you know, she's still picking up the victories. Uh, but International Women's Day, I'll be honest and say, when it comes to these days that they make, and I'm saying it with inverted commas um, <laughs> for people that are listening to it because it's an audio podcast, of course. Uh, I'm saying it in the sense that. I've never been a big fan of, of, of certain days being made throughout the year or these sort of marketing schemes to, to bring like uh, Valentine's Day and the Mother's Day and the Father's Day and all the rest of it. Uh, obviously, it's a nice sentiment for certain people and, and certain people absolutely love doing these things. And this is this is one day which uh, I actually can, can sort of resonate with and say, when you look back through, through history uh, in general... And, and what women have had to go through in general uh, in comparison to what life's like for them now and the, the amount of inspirational women in this particular sport that we cover in boxing that there are at the moment, it's fantastic and, and it's, it's great to be able to give this this platform to be able to tell them how much of a fantastic job they're doing and, and how much, uh, as the other the, the other sex, the opposite sex, we appreciate what, what they do, and especially for the sport of boxing and how, how it's become so big in terms of the women's side of it. And a lot of that comes down to people like Jane Couch, who was was one of the big pioneers within, within the British scene for women's boxing as well. Um, Cahill, obviously, I'll bring it back to you now. International Women's Day. We've got to give them all a big shout out, haven't we, surely? Yeah, 100%, Sean, because the, the, when it comes to boxing, unfortunately now, after so long, pretty fortunate now that they're getting, or boxing's kind of reaching a new plane, you're seeing female fighters get the lights and get the kind of, being main event in cards when it comes to Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor's someone who's actually played football for Ireland as well. I think if you're good at one sport, you seem to be good at the other. But there's likes of Cecilia Brookhouse, who is, if you were to compare her, she's the Floyd Mayweather, female boxing, someone I've interviewed always so friendly always so welcoming and kind of never could never kind of like would would turn down an interview or anything like that she's always so accommodating and nicola adams kind of who who is a, a lesbian fighter who's who's also now putting another kind of when it comes to maybe if you're a gay gay female wanting to get into boxing there's your there's your shining light and the same that kind of thing these these women aren't just going out for a paycheck every time katie taylor goes out and fight anytime Natasha Jones could out and fight. It's making a difference. And I know they kind of just see it as in, I'm just another fighter, but they're, they're such an inspiration for any young girl because boxing is a sport that is, is you start it as a young age. 
and these girls are making people. I you've seen today if you followed Katie Taylor, you'll see her. She's she's retweeting things. People are saying how how much of an inspiration she is. How she's helped people get over depression. How she's helped people kind of get back in shape through boxing and things like that. But when you see the likes of Don Harkin back with, with Canelo and stuff like that, that's the bad side of boxing. I think the female side of boxing is probably one of the one of the kind of the better stories from boxing. And um, there's, there's, there's fighters from all across the world now that you're kind of they're getting they're getting the shine and light that they deserve and fair play to Teddy Hearn for um for kind of maybe in years gone by it was something that uh, they wouldn't have been interested in but you'd be hoping that this continues the growth of female boxing where you can have female world champions the big huge fights are, are, are female fighters and as you said Jane Couch a pioneer and someone who who changed the face of it and a lot of people may not know who Jane Couch is but she's a former multiple world champion herself and you have the likes of Holly Holm who yeah she's a lot of people know her from UFC but she's a another multiple time yeah. world champion so these people they've Holly Holm would have brought people to, to MMA and I know she doesn't speak too kindly of boxing media at the moment but she has she's done so much for the sport as well and these days like this is when you do look back on the kind of the females in, uh, in in boxing, and it's I'm so happy to see Katie Taylor going over and unifying America, and hopefully this year she gets her she gets her big main event here in Dublin. And it's for in Ireland, there's no bigger there's no bigger fighter at the moment. Katie Taylor, female boxer, is the number one, and she's the number one box obviously that people want to see, and and rightfully so because she's done so much for sport here in Ireland, and she she is the kind of shining light of um, Irish sport at the moment with with uh with conor mcgregor but there's no bullshit when it comes to it comes to the women it's get in there fight and it, it it's good to see because yeah you've had your you've had your uh your big fight in the male the, the the male scene but you'd love now over the next few years the kind of rivalries and female boxing really be pushed on because these girls are just as talented as the men if not more talented when it comes to it and you're going to see great fights and that's what i hope people kind of I know a lot of people are kind of they don't like to see women fighting, but that's just kind of narrow-minded. People need to be more open-minded when it comes to this kind of thing, and and female boxing is here to stay. And I hope that it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And on every level, in every sport, in every way of life, it deserves to be on the same plane, and it deserves to be on an equal footing. Just when it comes to anything to do with men, anything like that, women deserve to be right there. And I think it's time that uh, people realise that, especially when it comes to boxing. Yeah, uh, and I totally 100% agree with everything that you've said because it's a day to, to recognise it and, and people might listen to what I said before we started this chat about it. I'm not a big fan of these made these days that have been made, you know, and a lot of it I've always felt is marketing ploy uh, for big companies to basically sell products, blah, 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 blah. But now with this particular day, I do feel it's a day that we should be recognising the, the females within this sport that we love and what they're doing for it. And I'm really happy to be able to talk about it in the way that we have because I, I, I'm not ashamed to say that and I, I love watching women's boxing and I love what they do and I love what they do for the sport and what they do for the youngsters and outside of the sport and the inspirations that they that they give and I can't thank her enough for, for what they've been doing as of recent times it's been fantastic and you know I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next five to ten years hold for, for females within boxing you know I, I, I know that there's a few uh, professional female boxing coaches now starting to come through the ranks so it's not just inspiring the fighters it's inspiring people to get into boxing as in general to be trainers, to be in the corners. So it's amazing for the, these things to happen. So International Women's Day, the 8th of March, 2018. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job, ladies. Continue doing what you're doing. 
So I just want to get to the end of the podcast now. It's been uh, another long episode this week. Unfortunately, we've not been able to bring you any interviews this week because it's been a very busy time for both me and Cahill uh, with uh, our respective uh, working lives as well and some of the bad weather that's been causing a bit of an upset uh, across the country and across over in Ireland so we will get back to getting some interviews for you the following week and we hope you have enjoyed uh, our opinions and our thoughts uh, on some of the big fights that we've seen over the past weekend uh, and some of the opinions of what we think is going to go on this weekend Uh, and I want to sort of wrap it up by saying thank you very much to everybody as always keep listening to the podcast keep sharing it keep getting it across social media you know where to follow us now it's on twitter at btr boxing pod uh, on facebook at beyond the ropes boxing podcast you can find myself at sean basto esbr and you can find cohol at 14 cohol you can also go on to the eat sleep boxing repeat social media pages the eat sleep boxing repeat website to find some of the latest news reviews and interviews from across uk and world boxing and that sort of about wraps it up for myself cohol obviously i'm going to bring it to you as always for the final word of the show yeah no john we've been uh, kind of snowed in here and one thing I know from the last week, I fucking hate snow. So hopefully over the, ne- the next few days, we'll be able to get uh, get back on the interview trail and uh, pick up a few interviews ahead of uh, ahead of next week's show. And uh, looking forward to next week's show already. And hopefully March is a big month uh, when it comes to heavyweight boxing. And there's a there's a lot to, there's a lot to look forward to over the next uh, the next couple of months. So plenty of packed shows coming up. Absolutely, we're really looking forward to bringing you some of the great fights that are coming up in the next few weeks. But that's it, guys. That is episode number twenty-five. You know where to find us. You know what to do. Uh, get sharing, get liking, get it across social media. And thanks very much for everybody to listen. And we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.